Welcome to the Flourish with Neural Retraining podcast. I'm your host, Madeline Lowry, founder of Twin Cities Neural Retraining and a certified MAP method practitioner specializing in anxiety, sensitivities, and chronic symptoms and conditions. Join me for episode 67, where we talk with my client, Dr. Aliyah Paquette, about her experience with the MAP method and how MAP supported her through a harrowing one-and-a-half-year journey with pancreatic cancer, from diagnosis to surgery, ensuing complications, and painful recovery. Hear how she incorporates MAP sessions as a part of her self-care routine, along with acupuncture, and why she calls it EMDR on steroids. In this episode, I promised Aaliyah that I would answer her pressing questions about how the MAP method works. Our prelude to that discussion went so long that it became an entire episode in itself, as you will soon hear. Stay tuned for the second half of our conversation to be released in the next episode. As always, we must disclaim that the information we share in the podcast is for educational purposes only. As MAP method practitioners, we do not diagnose or treat disease. Instead, we work with the mind to optimize health. Now, let's hear from Leah. So welcome, welcome, Leah. I'm really excited to have you join me today. This is a real honor. (laughs) Thank you very much for joining me today and sharing some of your experience as well. I'm so excited. So good to be here with you. So, Leah, we've probably been working together over two years now. Yeah. 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 I can't believe it's been that long. I was thinking about that the other day. Yeah. Yeah. And we have done probably about 20 map sessions together. And yeah, I was just looking through your file, you know, just to remind myself, like all the topics we have worked on over the years that we've, uh, yeah, that we've been at this. So maybe you can just take us back to the beginning and, um, you know, remind us again, like, how did you hear about this really obscure method of working with the subconscious mind? And why did you decide to try it? So I had been, um, I've been living in the world of Western medicine from a young age. My mother was a physician and um, I'm a lot like my mom and always really admired her. And so I was curious about Western medicine from like the age of seven. And so my path as people might know, you know, there are certain jobs where the path just kind of is laid out for you. Um, and in Western medicine, if you go traditional route, it's laid out. So I got on that path early. Once I went into practice for myself. So I had, I became an, um, an osteopath because it felt like it, um, helped me unite this desire to learn about the science of Western medicine with the desire to, treat the body holistically to, to empower the body. Mm -hmm. Um, So by the time I had finished residency and actually started practice on my own as a primary care internal medicine physician, um, which was nine years ago now, it's crazy. Um, So when that 
happened, you, you kind of quickly start to see the, the deficits. <laughs> you, you quickly start to see the places where people just cannot get the healthcare they need. So my knowledge kind of just before finding out about MAP, I had already been exposed to through my patients through obviously like the traditional approach to um, mental health support, which is, you know, usually, honestly, it's antidepressants um, or anxiolytics and then talk therapy. And then that had led to a path where a few of my veterans had experienced EMDR. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'd had some exposure to EMDR and some discussion around EMDR with a few of my patients. And then in my journey at one point, actually prior to going to practice on my own, I had um, experienced systemic hives that nobody in Western medicine could treat. And I had a friend at the time who was an osteopath and he treated me with NAET. So the, the tapping methods over acupressure points um, with a mantra to try and eliminate these symptoms. So I'd, I'd heard of these more, you know, I guess I'll use the word obscure. I've heard, I've heard of these more obscure. They're not covered by insurance. Um, a, a traditional Western medicine mind has no idea why it works. <laughs> like Even my friend who was doing the treatment, we were laughing through the whole therapy. We were like, this is crazy. Um, and it worked great. It worked beautifully. It worked instantaneously. It was um, two years of hives and 40 milligrams of prednisone every day with all the beautiful side effects that come with that. And in one session, I, I was, it was done. So I'd had these experiences along the way where I was being exposed to these less common forms of therapy. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, as I'm building my practice and time is moving forward, I'm seeing more and more patients who just can't respond to what's being offered. It just doesn't work. So there was already a curiosity and a frustration within my practice, a desire to help people feel better. I was already very, very focused on helping people avoid drugs. If I could, I was always looking, I mean, and that's not just with mental health support, but with, you know, cholesterol management and diabetes and, um, you know, hypertension, just how can I get you away from the traditional path um, and the side effects that come with it? So I'm aware, right? I'm paying attention to nutrition. I'm, I'm personally seeing an acupuncturist, which I'd been seeing for probably seven years before you and I met. So despite being a Western medicine physician and an internal medicine physician, I'm, I'm already kind of opening my life up to these alternatives, especially as a way to help support patients. Not as I learned it through mapping, um, it was mostly to help support other people. And I have learned about the importance of really focusing on myself so that I can help other people. So at the time I'm, you know, I'm thinking about, okay, like how can I help these patients? And so my cousin, Josie, was going through some health issues at the time and about three years ago. And she had spoken to a functional medicine practitioner who had then told her about MAP. And so then when I heard about you specifically, it was this backstory of, yeah, we, I've met this lovely woman. She has a history and a background in nutrition, which is like if you're a Western medicine physician and you're trying to avoid medicine, food is your primary route to that, right? Like trying to educate people that what you put in your body matters. Mm. And so whenever I hear about a nutritionist, I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> resource. Um, so hearing you had this background in nutrition, um, I loved that story. And then 
it was explained to me that you had explored EMDR and you had explored these kind of this path. You had this path of trying to help your patients with their nutrition, leading to realizing that a lot of patients who can't get out of their nutritional patterns had high ACE scores and then kind of discovering, okay, well, that Venn diagram overlaps in a way that can't be a coincidence. And then looking at ways to help treat that and you just got, you know, you exploring EMDR and its benefits. And then basically the way I thought of MAP was like EMDR on steroids, right? It's like, it's like EMDR, but you're going to get there a lot deeper, a lot faster. My first thought when I heard about you was like, okay, uh, it's my partner. I got it. I, I have to get my partner into this. And so I think you've been seeing my partner for about three years, maybe two and a half, mm-hmm. um, because he had a history of such significant trauma as a child and had tried lots and lots of talk therapy. And it just didn't, it just didn't do anything really. It didn't change anything. It's not because he wasn't willing to put the work in. It just, um, mm-hmm. could not release him from that trauma. Mm-hmm. And so before I ever signed myself up, I had paid for, signed up and filled out the application for him. (laughs) He was so nervous. It took a lot of me like convincing, like, dude, this is going to be worth trying. Like, just try it. Let's see. So he did it. And his first session was so profoundly just incredible and life-changing for him just a single session that I was like all right well I'm in like (laughs) I guess I'm on board um but I think the hardest thing is is realizing I you know you and I've talked about this so many times I just don't have what I considered a trauma history I Mm. I have loving parents who supported me endlessly. I grew up in a family of six siblings and we're all friends and love each other to this day. And we are very much involved in each other's lives in healthy, you know, non-codependent functional relationships. Never had an abusive significant other relationship. And so even knowing what you had done for my partner, I, I was still pretty dismissive of my need for it. I just was like, I just, you know, I just don't really think there's anything I could bring up. I don't know what I'd talk about. And then in the three years uh, after kind of hearing about you and our relationship as again, as you know, and as I don't mind sharing, basically it was one trauma experience after another that even, even one exposure for the things that we went through would have been enough to kind of break a family. And we had many. So we had a, I became pregnant right at the beginning of COVID. They had no idea how pregnancy and COVID were going to mix. I was an active physician at the time seeing every, you know, patients daily. And the, the clinic was a nightmare. People were so scared and every day was miserable and every day was changing. And I was pregnant the whole time. The baby was born during wildfires, which were occurring to the point where at like two in the morning at 10 weeks pregnant or 10 months pregnant, my parents are evacuating to my property with their horses and their animals. And I'm wobbling around with this baby in my belly. Um, He was home three months. And on Christmas day, while we were sleeping, our house caught fire. We had to evacuate our home. We had to be out of our home. We had to deal with some horrible trauma with contractors. The week we moved back into our house and got settled chad's father-in-law was diagnosed with covid and spent literally eight months trying not to die 
three months into his diagnosis, the day he was being intubated, I was diagnosed with pancreatic mass. The day his father woke up from being intubated for over three months, lucky to be alive and still very, very sick, was the day I scheduled my surgery for my pancreatic mass. A month later, had surgery after three months of healing, had a huge complication, and then spent, you know, a solid six weeks actively dying, honestly, and then finally figuring out how to stop dying and come back from that. And that literally, I've now spent the last year healing in a chronic healing state. So just the start of that trauma was like, okay, it's time to do MAP. But ironically, interestingly, most of my MAP sessions with you have explored childhood experiences that I didn't view as a trauma and, and have helped me by processing those helped me deal with the acute trauma that, you know, you have talked with me about so many times over the course of these two years. So it's, it, while the acute trauma has been addressed and it's been so unbelievably helpful to aid in my healing, um, I've just been amazed over and over again at how it draws back to childhood that, you know, even having all the right elements for a healthy childhood, there's your body doesn't know the difference, right? My body isn't comparing me to the children in Syria experiencing war. It's not comparing me to my partner who's having one childhood trauma after another. Um, my body doesn't care about what's happening in the world. It cares about what's happening to it. And so it's, yeah, it, it made me a believer pretty quickly and, and hence this ongoing relationship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, wow. Yeah. Thanks for just bringing that all together because <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's a lot of trauma to go through and you haven't right. even talked about the, the losses of the pets. Mm. God, no. that's right. In the middle of that, that's right. We lost three dogs tragically and aggressively, all of whom we loved, let alone the way all of this is affecting my children, right? Like the way what they are experiencing and the way as a parent watching your child deal with trauma. I mean, that in and of itself is heartbreaking. It's a, it's a process, but you're right. The pets were big. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we have, we have done so many sessions, uh, you know, uh, on different things, but you know, it was yes. all just every time it came together, it was just, well, what, you know, what is going on in your life right now? What is the priority for, yes. for you? Yeah. You even done sessions for things that are like, I guess we could call it silly things. Like I remember once you, you, you had this topic that made you super irritated had to do with sniffing. Do you remember that? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Repetitive <laughs> sounds. That's a thing. Yes. 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 And out of that, so that session around something that was just irritating you, but you couldn't understand why, you know, even working on a topic like that, you know, there, there was an insight, right. That came out of it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, and honestly, that's how I felt when I, when I very first started, I mean, I remember my first couple of sessions really from my perspective, feeling like what I was bringing to the table was kind of for lack of a better word. I mean, silly. It just, you know, it's like, you, I think it's human. I think it's very human to compare yourself to others. And we live in a world where not everybody, but many of us are trying to be grateful, right? We're trying to show gratitude. And I think sometimes uh, a side effect of gratitude is being dismissive of 
our own negative experiences that somehow to be grateful for the life you have means you have to ignore the the things you feel that are hard um even if it's something as simple as repetitive sniffing driving you through a wall you just want to dismiss it because you're like again there are children living out of storm drains in syria with no family you know it's like okay my problems don't matter i'm going to be grateful for the child who won't stop sniffing because he's alive and well even if that sniffing is making me want to move out of this house um and so it 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 is it was an important that's been one of the lessons honestly i think i'm still learning um but that was one of the important kind of first lessons of experiencing that for the first few times where i started to realize how deep rooted our responses are how deep rooted our our patterns are this you know this um pathway these neurologic pathways in our brain how tightly wound they are and how they affect our body. I think the I think those were my first those first couple of sessions were really an important lesson in that. You know, you said like my childhood wasn't traumatic, and I you know I work with a lot of people. I work with a lot of people who are very traumatized. I work with a lot of people who would have an ACEs score of zero. You know, adverse childhood experiences score. The assessment that the CDC and Kaiser Permanente came up with for their study that was done many years ago, but it's still been an alarm bell right there that Kaiser came up with it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does work for effectively evaluating certain types of trauma. It's a simple assessment, right? It doesn't yeah. cover all kinds, all the types of trauma. It doesn't give a weight for, you know, this happened to me once or this happened to me over, you know, every right. day for 10 years, right? It, it doesn't do any of that, but but it was a, is a simple tool. And so, yeah, for people who are like, oh, I, I don't, I can't think of any traumas that I've lived through aside from maybe the loss of a pet or something, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not just what we think of as big T traumas. It is um, really anything that happens to you, a critical comment or a judgment or a, you know, something that didn't go your way can be registered in the mind as a trauma. It just, it just depends on the significance that your mind gives to that, that event. Absolutely. I think that that is, I mean, that would probably be, and is honestly, when I tell people, cause I refer to you, I refer people to you all the time, but that would be one of my messages for people listening is essentially it, it doesn't exist. There's no such thing as a, an A score of zero. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just doesn't exist. That tool, that tool being used to evaluate, that's great from a Western medicine standpoint. It allows Western medicine to categorize you. It allows them to evaluate for severe and widely recognized prepackaged trauma. And that's great. It's not to say that that doesn't matter. And it's not to say that if you have a high A score, your high A score is you know, irrelevant. That of course is not the point. The point is if you believe because Western medicine, a practitioner or someone in your life, or you yourself have told yourself that you are trauma-free or that your A score is zero, I'm here to tell you it just doesn't exist because the nature of being human is that our bodies experience negativity. They experience turmoil. They experience challenge. It is 
literally impossible to, to grow up unscathed. It just can't happen. So it's not to say that they're all the same, that all traumas are created equal, but that also doesn't matter. What matters is your individual experience. So personally, I view MAP the same way I view acupuncture and the same way I view physical therapy. And I do mean to shout out to hands-on physical therapy, not somebody who shows you how to do an exercise that you could learn on YouTube. (laughs) I mean, someone who is putting their hands on you to attempt to help you heal. I view those things the same way I view brushing and flossing. It is part of maintenance of a healthy body. So if you're someone who is interested in preventative care, if you're someone who is interested in support, even if you think you've never had a serious trauma, if you just want to do what's right for your brain and for your body, these modalities just, they work beautifully together to help support brain, body, and, you know, whatever your interpretation of spirit is. They, they connect together and map specifically, I, I would hesitate to say is just about mental health support. The, the mind body connection is you can't argue it anymore. It just, this is not up for debate. (laughs) Your mind is your body. They are one in the same. While you may be a person who needs acute mental health support or chronic mental health support, MAP is great for that. But if you are someone like me who, you know, for all intents and purposes, looks like they have it together, right? They look like from a mental health standpoint, they're managing anxiety, they're managing stress, they're managing what comes at them. And that 100% how I was, and not just on the surface. I don't mean like I'm posting some Pinterest version of my life that people are seeing. I mean, at home in my own body, that's how I feel. I was managing the stress. I was getting through it. I was happy. I loved my kids. I loved my family. I got along with people. I was not going home and crying myself to sleep or feeling suicidal or feeling anxious. I was getting through life, but my body was finding ways to tell me it was stressed. For instance, hives that lasted two years and needed NAT to get them to stop. Like that's just an example. So yeah, I I think that there is, there just is a role for this kind of therapy um, as part of maintenance body care. And then obviously, I mean, maybe it's not obvious to everyone, but um, it certainly seems obvious. It definitely plays a role in uh, chronic mental health conditions and supportive therapy in that way. Yeah. And I mean, I see, you know, Matt being helpful on, on all levels of body mind, right? Whether it's emotional, mental, or physical, because as you said, we are, I mean, we are, uh, emotional, mental, and physical beings, right. Uh, and as well, spiritual beings, like we, we have all these layers in us and you can't, you know, and I work mostly with people with chronic health issues, right. So we, because you have a physical problem, you know, a thyroid that's not functioning properly or your blood pressure is high, right you can't separate that from the emotional and mental things going on as well. And so one support that could be utilized, I think more so in, in our culture is uh, working with the mind in addition to things like medications and diet change and lifestyle change and exercise and meditation, you know, there's a role for 
what, what is going on in the mind that is making this symptom chronic? We, I think we grow up in this culture, especially in the United States. I mean, I can't, I can't really speak to what other cultures are going through, but it, it, what I know of the United States and of our healthcare system, again, being a Western medicine physician is especially historically, um, the mind is separated from the body, right? Mm -hmm. I think that that's changing. I think that there's a push for people to view that differently, but the problem is, and, and I mean, I will say, especially for women trying to, it's not to discredit what men go through or the benefits of MAP for men, but I will just say like, especially for women, because historically we have been marginalized by medicine, by Western medicine. It's very, very difficult, I think, for people to truly understand and accept that the mind and body are one, that it is connected. And I think part of that is because for so many years, especially for women, there's these lovely diagnoses like hysteria. It's you are outside your mind. It's and and the the irony, of course, there is that that came at a time when women were being marginalized to the point of um, just being ignored. You you know you just, you were not you were not allowed to hold a job. You were not allowed to vote. You were not. So it's you know it's the same idea of what people of color have gone through in our country. Um, when you take a group of these spiritual beings that we are and you suppress them when you try to contain them when you deny self when you when you tell them you don't belong in this place and you won't be treated equally which is what our country has done for so many years and again i know that this is changing but it doesn't change that historically medicine grew at a time when all of these people were being treated this way and and still are and so as medicine has evolved, I think it, there, there came this push from the people being marginalized. So, you know, women is an example, but, you know, other groups as well, this push to say, this is not in my mind, right? This is not, I'm not imagining this. I'm not crazy. I'm not experiencing chest pain and heart palpitations because I'm crazy. But the really, really sad part is that the the degree of truth to hysteria was it probably is coming from your mind <laughs> because when you damage a mind that way when you tell a mind that it doesn't matter and that it can't be heard and that it doesn't have a place and that you can't have a job and you can't vote and all you can do is stay home and raise children and you know care for a husband that damages a, a spiritual being and and so I think in reaction, it's almost like the pendulum went too far the other way, right? Like in reaction to this, don't call me hysterical, there came this push to separate mind and body into these two separate entities. And, and then now we're realizing you can't do that. The, the body is managed by and controlled by the mind. So what your mind experiences, it's amplified through, you know, that experience is amplified through your cells, through every cell in your body is going to experience it. So you can't, you can't separate the two. You can't ignore the two. Of course, yes. Are there things that are, you know, more physical, right? More of a, this is a physical manifestation in this organ and something that this organ needs help treating or, you know, an infection that needs focus, of, of course. Uh, but I would argue that even those ailments, even those diagnoses benefit from the support of mind. They benefit from 
supporting the brain, supporting the way the brain functions, addressing the traumas we've experienced and allowing the body to process whatever it's going through in a healthy way, in a supportive way. The better space your brain is in, the better you can fight infection, the better you can support your immune system, the better you can beat cancer. Those, those things are tied together intimately. Yeah. I, I like to say that, you know, for the acute condition, you know, you definitely want the, the, yeah. hospital, the ER, right. the urgent take, care. Take center. the antibiotic, get the fluids, get your blood drawn. Yes. Yeah. Gather information. But when you have something that is chronic and ongoing, you know, there is likely to be something going on in the mind that is maintaining that condition, right? That is, yeah. that is keeping you stuck in that symptomology um, that once resolved would probably allow the body to heal itself in a more efficient way. Yeah. I mean, I, and I would even remove the word probably, I think what you do by allowing a person to be as, as connected to self as they can be, you know, that these map sessions let you go inward and evaluate how to be true to oneself. And I honestly believe that the more you let a person experience self, the, the more a person can be connected to their self and acknowledge what they have been through and recognize their, their limitations and their strengths and embrace that, the better the body supports itself. And, you know, we do that in osteopathy. That's a big part of how we look at, so the, the idea in osteopathy being that, you know, you are a holistic being. And so if, for instance, your ribs are chronically out of alignment, right? They're, they're, um, they've been pushed around, you're carrying things, you know, women carrying their babies, lifting heavy things at work, whatever it is, it causes ribs to become out of alignment with their, with their um, spinal column. And that, that misalignment may not be causing symptoms. You may not be having pain. You may not even really notice it. Most of the time people do. Once you fix it, they feel better, but sometimes they don't even notice it's going on. But say that that's happening. The body's out of alignment and you um, get a pneumonia. If you fix the alignment, if you put the ribs in the position that they anatomically belong, creating a neutral, your body's no longer distracted by the fact that those joints weren't where they belong. And it allows lung function to improve, lungs expand better, you bring in more lymphatic drainage, you create more white blood cell spread, which there in of itself creates a cure for infection. It helps fight infection. And even if that pneumonia needs antibiotics and fluids and steroids to deliver those those medicines to the place they belong, the better your body functions and the less distracted it is, the easier it bites infection or cancer or whatever the ailment is. Um, and I think that that's the thing we kind of fail to recognize in this culture is that the, the mind is part of that. Those past traumas, those experiences that uh, distract our system prevent us from being as healthy as we could be and contribute to things like hypertension, your thyroid being off, you know, increased infections, chronic pain, whatever it is. Is it saying that 
if you do map all of these things go away not necessarily i mean it's you know obviously there are oftentimes these things are um you require multiple modalities to help support them so it's not to say that these other things don't matter it's just simply to say to ignore the the function of the brain in the process is to ignore the foundation of health you are ignoring the basis so if you ignore the foundation everything you build on top of it is going to be weaker just fundamentally and that is really upsetting for patients that creates this uphill battle where you feel like you're you can't ever win you can't ever get on top of it you can't get it to go away why won't i respond why do i need another antihypertensive why do i need more cholesterol medication why do these diet changes never work it's because you have to help your brain and not just trauma also right it's also stress yes. it's yeah current life, yeah. Life. Trauma, yeah. trauma should be in quotes because again yeah. Yes. I obviously I have a very different definition of trauma now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we could call trauma like painful emotional experiences of the past. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, current life stress, like painful emotional or, you know, uh, mental experiences that you were going through in your current life. Right. You know, relationships, yeah. jobs, finances, taking care of older parents, children, whatever, you know, I mean, right. So you can, yeah, you can't whatever avoid it. it is. So, yeah, I, I don't, I, I just want to make sure people understand that MAP is not just about trauma healing, though it is very good for that. Um, it is not just about that. No, I, and I, yeah, and I think that's, it's so funny even having to clarify that because all of that comes from my education with you, that for me now, the word trauma is so widely, <laughs> it's such this huge umbrella word, which again is not to take away from the people who've experienced these traditional forms of trauma. You know, it's not to minimize that. It's not to say, you know, me doing poorly on a test in middle school is the same as experiencing, you know, some horrible traditional trauma like assault. I, I'm not, I'm not saying that, but I, what I am saying is, we can't minimize those experiences that seem like nothing. You can't minimize them because your subconscious isn't. Your subconscious doesn't say, oh my gosh, this made me feel afraid. Oh, but look how much scarier that person's event was. Never mind. Never mind. We don't, we don't care about this. We'll just let it go. It doesn't do that. It stays and it sits and it waits and it, and then it comes up again the next time something more dramatic happens or even something simple, something simple happens and your response is triggered in the same way. So yeah, I, that is a really important distinction because it's not just about, it is amazing for those, those traditional traumas. It's amazing for those traditionally defined traumas, right? The ones that the ACE score is commenting on, but I would argue without them, you still, it's just a world of benefit to be had in exploring what your body experienced and what your body viewed as a trauma or a, a negative experience. Yeah. So maybe we can just take a minute here. And if you are willing to share how map sessions have helped you, you know, emotionally, mentally, physically. <laughs> um, man, it is, it's crazy to think about how to summarize that. I would say that the, the, without exaggeration, the simplest way to sum it up, and then I can elaborate a bit, but the simplest way to sum it up was at, you know, 39 years old with a three month old baby and twin sons at home who were seven at the time. I was diagnosed with a pancreatic tumor, um, which again, in the world of Western medicine, 
where a lot of the discussion is fear-based and black and white in its thinking uh, was essentially a death sentence, like, you know, basically being told. That is what, in fact, what the emergency physician told me, get an oncologist without knowing whether it was cancer or just a tumor. Followed by, you know, kind of the anguish of going through a biopsy, the side effects that the biopsy caused, waiting for the results of that, which was insane and very stressful. Finding out that it was a pseudopapillary tumor, which is a very, very rare cancer, but um, strangely, you know, that's a good news because it's not adenocarcinoma, which is a traditional um, pancreatic cancer that most people hear about at some point in their life because loved ones or they hear about famous people who die very quickly of pancreatic cancer. So it was this kind of good news, bad news scenarios. It was this cancer that was more manageable and had a better prognosis, which when you're a mother of young children sounds great, but I still had to go through a Whipple, which is one of the most invasive surgeries that exists in Western medicine and unbelievably hard to tolerate. The surgery was supposed to be six hours. It took 11. I, I had three months to heal and was doing well. And then had that experience with the with a procedure that they did to try to help with some pain. And that led to life-threatening complications. That is over the course of about a year and a half, right? I mean, that's a year and a half of some of the most intense loss, fear, roller coaster of emotions that a person and a family could go through. Um, and honestly, in that time, there were very few times where I, from a mental health standpoint, even looked affected by what was going on. <laughs> like, I could, and it's not because I was riding some weird denial train and just pretending that everything was fine. I was frequently utilizing MAP to help me process each individual change in symptoms. I, I used it with the, you know, the traumatic experiences within the hospital itself, with the traumatic experience of the diagnosis, with the way physicians treated me during the treatment process. I used it for, you know, struggling with how my children were responding to my illness, with how my partner was responding to my illness. Uh, I used it to help guide me through my own um, connection and experience with Western medicine, my relationship there, because it's something I have committed my life to. And yet I, I experienced firsthand the damage that Western medicine can do to a person. And honestly, when I spoke with people, they would say things if I spoke with people on the phone because they couldn't see me, they couldn't see what I, you know, you can imagine I lost like, it was 60 pounds. I lost that I didn't have to lose. I, I had a normal BMI. So to lose 60 pounds uh, was pretty traumatic. I would feel people hug me and their, when they would hug me, their bodies would fall. They would shrink against me. I could feel them just kind of collapse against me because they would hug me and they would feel my bones, all my ribs sticking out and my spine. And you could just feel the sadness in the hug because I wasn't myself. I didn't feel like myself. But if I was on the phone with somebody, they couldn't tell my, my tone of voice, the way I spoke about my life, the way I spoke about how I felt, the, the way I um, answered questions about the traumas. I could do so, I'd say 80% of the time, I could do so with a feeling of peace, with a feeling of calm with a feeling of self-assuredness, with a feeling of I'm going to get better. And 
it's okay that, you know, whoever I'm talking to or seeing, it's okay that you're afraid and it's okay that you're sad. I just don't feel the same. I, and so I would kind of not join them in that fear and that sadness. I just, I have to let them have their experience, but um, I was able to really kind of go inward and just say, you know, everyone else's experience is not mine and I'm going to be okay. This is going to be, this is going to be okay. So, yeah, I mean, I think that speaks chapters to what MAP is capable of both in the acute and chronic setting, because some of what came up was really chronic responses, right? Some of these, these acute responses were really related to chronic issues, things that had been um, a problem without me realizing it in my youth or in my childhood. And it was just so empowering to be able to spend that year and a half kind of checking mental health off the list, right? It was like, I don't have, that's covered. So <laughs> how can I get my body healthy again? Right. How can I, let's separate these two for a minute. Let's, let's acknowledge my body is going through something really profound, but whatever part of this profound damage that's happening to my body, whatever part of that is tied to my brain, I am supporting that. And I feel confident in the way I am supporting it. Let's focus on how do I get calories in? How do I absorb those calories? How do I gain weight? How do I build muscle? How do I stop dying? How do I stop deteriorating? So to be able to do that with a feeling of calm and peace and um, empowerment, I mean, really to feel like empowered at a time when you otherwise, you know, if you listen to the people around you, you would just feel afraid is amazing. That's awesome. And it goes again, it just, it, that just takes you miles beyond what you would otherwise be capable of doing if you weren't supporting yourself that way. It's remarkable. Yeah. And you haven't even talked about the incredible chronic pain symptoms that you were experiencing. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's, it is Alarming. not, not, yeah. And it wasn't, wasn't just pain. I mean, like horrible pain, just, I mean, horrible pain, um, disrupted sleep, um, autonomic symptoms where I would get the, the horrible tachycardia and flushing, um, tons of, you know, the bowel symptoms, tons of, tons of issues with, um, intestinal pain and diarrhea, promoting the weight loss, um, worsening the weight loss, worsening the malnutrition. And yeah, I mean, like there were sessions where I can remember even just acutely saying like, it's the symptoms are so bad today. This is, I feel like this is all I can talk about is the symptoms. I can't talk about you know, whatever the, the foundational trauma is around this. I need to talk about my symptoms. And even that helped even just doing a session where all we did was focus on the symptom at hand, like a switch would turn them off. And then the next time they would turn on, they were never as bad. It always, it was this stepwise progression and building on not just supporting because again, I think they're one in the same. It was by, by supporting where my brain was with all of this. I was able to support those physical symptoms and help calm them down, help them in some cases just eliminate. I mean, one of our sessions, we focused on that strange um, pattern I was having ever since the surgery where I would have, I would not be able to get comfortable at 10 PM, 10 PM every night. And then it would keep me awake until two or three in the morning. And, you know, so then my sleep was disrupted and that worsens healing and makes it harder for you to, you know, move on and get better. 
Um, and we, so we did a session focused on where that could potentially be coming from. And it wrapped around to the trauma around the surgical experience. When I had woken up from my surgery, I was trapped in that, like a horror film. I was trapped in a room where the nurses and the doctor had decided they weren't going to speak to me because I was not tolerating narcotics. And so they decided <laughs> that I was trying to abuse them, I guess, was the decision they made. Again, coming from someone who was narcotic naive, I had never had narcotics. And I had just woken up from an 11 hour abdominal surgery, um, but they had responded in a very strange way and essentially left me in a room that was on a hard table, flat on my back. I couldn't move. I was still paralyzed from the anesthesia and they wouldn't talk to me. So when we treated that trauma, when we focused around what it felt to be disempowered that way, how scary it was, all of that, um, the, the 10 PM pain symptoms stopped. I, that doesn't happen anymore. Um, I do still occasionally get symptoms that wake me up at two or three in the morning, but it's not typically pain, interestingly. Um, and interestingly, that's like my next map session. That's what mm -hmm. I intend to address in my next map session. I was like, okay, this is lingering and this is the thing. So, you know, it's the, that's the amazing part of all of it is whether it's a new mental health symptom or a physical symptom, when they show up, I don't feel afraid. I don't feel like oh God, what am I going to do? Or how am I going to handle this? I, I utilize resources to support myself from map, the map resources that are available online. I use those to support myself until I see you again. And so I just I feel empowered to address the emotional fallout, the, what could have been the mental health fallout. I think anyone else in my position would have been horribly depressed and anxious. And other than, you know, again, it's not to say like, oh, I can rise above all that. You know, I'm saying this again, this was like 80% of the time, 80% of my symptoms were in the course of the year and a half were managed appropriately. Um, and so, and then when I would have those breakthroughs, those moments that were hard, um, I never felt alone. I never felt like I couldn't do something about it. It's, it is hugely empowering for something that I'm dependent on you for, right? Like I... <laughs> view myself as being highly, uh, I'm like, I'm integrated into map, right? Like I don't, I don't want to walk away from it. Despite that, despite feeling that, you know, like I need a practitioner to do this for me because I can't do it myself. Really the biggest thing that I take from it is a sense of empowerment. I actually feel capable of doing so much for myself that really I can then remind myself that while I adore you and want to always be doing map sessions, I will be okay if I have to stop them. I will, I will figure out a way to utilize what I've already learned. So it's, yeah, it's a very, very empowering process for physical mm -hmm. and mental. Yeah. And I'm so happy to hear that, you know, that having this, knowing about it and having it available to you during this really distressing time, you know, this period that you've been through, which would be distressing for anyone, right, has helped you deal with it in a better way than maybe you would have been. I don't know. No. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what I would have done without it. It's just not, it's not realistic to, I don't know how people do it. I mean, it, it just breaks my heart. I, I think about this resource existing and people who put up barriers to it or are resistant to it, because again, it's hard to wrap your mind around, hence my questions. Um, uh, or it feels scary. You know, you have to, you have to think about addressing something inward and that can always be a difficult journey for people. 
And most people have never heard of this. They right. Just, yeah. And they don't even know it's there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it really, it breaks my heart as a practitioner because it's, it's not a realistic thing to ask a person to do, to live life and get through these issues without some kind of support like this. It, it just doesn't, our bodies aren't meant for it. We aren't meant to have this level of stress all the time. You can, and you have made that comparison, you know, that the way life existed when we were evolving was like, you basically went about your day to day and occasionally you ran into a bear. And then when you ran into that bear, it's like, well, this is very scary and I have to deal with the bear. But then you moved on. You weren't spending your day thinking about the bear. Um, Whereas now the bear exists in <laughs> every text message, every social media post that people get exposed to, every negative interaction on the road when you're driving to work, every work stress, financial stress, bill you can't pay, death in the family, loss of a pet, child, you know, children you love getting bullied, whatever, you know, whatever it is, like take your pick. You you truly cannot get through this life without this constant bear in the room. And so to ask us as a human to figure out how to cope with that bear, which again, many, many people do. I'm an example of that. You, you can do it in a high functioning way. That doesn't mean that it's the healthiest way to do it. And so to ask someone to cope with that bear and then also, by the way, while you're fighting the bear, I need you to heal from whatever it is. You know, I need you to heal from your hypertension. I need you to get your thyroid balanced. I need you to deal with this cancer. I need you to recover from the surgery good luck. Like, how do you do that? How do you support your body when your brain's fighting a bear? It it can't. So yeah, it's, I just wish everyone could do it. Yeah. I I think, yeah, I appreciate you saying that because I think about the clients that I've worked with who are going through cancer treatments. And I think that they do so much better when they can unburden themselves of the pain and the fear, the uncertainty, the worries that they have about their children or like what, what happens, you know, if, if they don't make it through or like all the stuff that comes up. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's the kind of, it's the kind of turmoil, like extended turmoil that you, you are describing, you know, with, you know, your own experiences in the last year and a half. It's just, nice to have a tool that you can utilize. And it's not like we were meeting every week, right? We were getting no. together like every three weeks or yeah. four, but it's nice to have something that you can tap into that it's different from talk therapy. It's just different. It works at a different level. It's so, so that, I mean, honestly, it's the reason I never pursued talk therapy. I'm actually, a, I, I, I always am afraid to say this because I'm a believer in the benefit. I think there are a lot of people who truly benefit from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I will tell you for me, I don't have time. I don't have time for that. <laughs> and it's because, you know, I'm a type A physician who is minimizing my own problems. I didn't, I don't have time to talk for hours over and over again about the same damn thing and not see progress. And, and I think again, for some people and certain kinds of traumas, and when you cross paths with a really good therapist who just gets it, they can connect with you on that, that kind of therapy talking for hours about this problem can change things profoundly change things for someone. Um, so it's not to belittle the profession or belittle the patients who benefit from it. They, it absolutely pays a role. But I will tell you for me, it was never going to happen. 
talk therapy was never, ever going to address my issues. And what happened with MAP is it gives you such dramatic insight into self and into past experiences and into the way your past experiences are affecting your current experience. It's so immediate and different with one session that especially for someone like me who, you know, quote, doesn't have the time. Oh my God. It's like, okay, well, this is great. It's EMDR on steroids. I'm, I am, I, I'm all about this. Let me do this because I can get this done. And, you know, that's that idea of viewing mental health as something, oh, I just got to check these boxes, right? I'll get this taken care of. And then I don't have to think about it anymore. And then of course, as I experienced it, I discovered that again, I believe it's part of maintenance. I believe it's part of self-care. Um, even if you're not experiencing something like what I've experienced in the last three years, um, because you'll be surprised over and over again, the way it draws you into, you know, the way a, a kid talked to you when you were in the second grade and how you're like, yeah, I mean, you know, it wasn't great, but it's not the end of the world. Um, but that's that thing that seems silly can be affecting your day-to-day -day life and affecting the way you interact and affecting the way you uh, cope and the way you process. So yeah, it's, it's remarkable to discover, like, I don't have to hang on to that. I didn't know I was hanging on to it and I don't need it to have any influence over me moving forward. Even when dealing with an acute trauma, you get to go through the experience of processing old insults, old injuries, old things that came up. And so it's great. It's just, it is, it's so dramatically effective so quickly um, that, yeah, it just, it absolutely allows you to function at your best, even at a time when it's hard to do that. Yeah. And I think it can be hard for people who have never experienced a map session to like understand what you were talking about, right? Because it's, um, you know, this is a process. I would describe it as a meditative process, right? It's yeah. not gnosis. It's a meditative process where we are working with your subconscious mind. And the thing that is bothering you right now in your, in your current life, like uh, the sound of someone sniffing re repetitively, right? Just to go yeah. back to an example that yeah. we were talking about earlier, yeah. you know, you don't know why this is driving you bats, but it is you don't need to know, right? So we start working with that topic in the session and your subconscious mind is starting to show you the connections. And then suddenly you realize, oh, wait a second. Yeah. yeah there's a big insight here, right? There's a part of me that I've been neglecting. Yeah, that I've been ignoring. Yeah. Or yeah. I mean, that, that has almost always been what you kind of discover in the process. It, it almost always ends up leading to this to something you've ignored, to something about yourself that you've denied, which again goes back to that idea of when you take these dynamic entities that are humans and you suppress them, nothing good comes of it. Nothing good. We don't tolerate it. I don't care what your ethnicity, background, experience, culture, it does not matter. Gender, like it doesn't, none of that matters. If you are a human, and I would, I would venture to say, maybe this goes to just living things. If you are a living creature and you are denied self in that way, if someone says to you or makes you feel unseen or that you don't matter, that creates a pattern in your subconscious that will manifest 
in your life one way or the other, whether it's through a physical ailment or a mental health struggle, whatever it is. And so again, while that thing, whatever you're, you know, whatever it is about the sniffing that's driving me crazy, that thing may not be the reason I'm dealing with, you know, pancreatic masses, but it certainly isn't helping. <laughs> it is not helping me feel better or be at my best. And so that really figuring out how to be as true to yourself as possible and to love yourself and support yourself and prioritize yourself, learning that lesson over and over again helps to teach you how to promote health. That's how you support your body. Thank you. Thank you for that. And I do appreciate all the insights that you shared with us today. You know, your own story is very, um, very, very inspiring. And I'm glad to have been with you on part of that journey. So, yeah, I don't, I don't want to think about the version of me that does it without you. Whatever parallel, whatever parallel universe version of me is doing this <laughs> without your help, she's not having as good of a time as I am. <laughs> All right, thanks, thank so you. Yes. Thank you for joining us for the Flourish with Neural Retraining podcast. Please listen again and remember to follow us and leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Play, or Stitcher. Check out our free courses about the MAP method, how it works, and how we use it for mind-body healing at mapforhealth.us or schedule your introductory session at mindremapforhealth.com. Until the next time, be well and flourish. Content of this podcast, copyright 2023 by Twin Cities Neural Retraining. Music by Barbara Benn.